This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 8, Episode 19, Unauthorized Personnel. And let's start it off with some announcements. As we mentioned at the beginning of last week's episode, today, October 9th, the day this episode is releasing, <laughs> is the deadline for your questions for post-game chatter. Tonight we will get the cast together to answer all of your questions. So the deadline is at 5 p.m. Central. So that gives those of you who are listening to this episode right after it releases enough time to listen to the episode, formulate some questions, and shoot them our way. And you'll hear the answer to all of those questions uh, next week after the episode airs. So uh, it'll be a quick turnaround, and we're really excited to answer all your questions. Remember, if you send in a question, we will answer it. That's all we have for announcements today. Just that one very important request for your questions. Uh, so let's move on in to Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM Hello. is about Series 8. Episode 18, No Prisoners. I always expect something like big and crazy to happen in the last uh, handful of episodes, but uh, this last episode was kind of chock-a-block full of like this climactic cinematic experience that was really cool to be a part of as, as a player, and I was wondering if you had any thoughts as a GM. Yeah, as you might expect, there was quite a lot that was going on behind the GM screen to try and make this uh, final showdown with like Reaper Squad really pay off. Because obviously I've been throwing them against you in no-win scenarios time and time again and making you guys basically run away from them. And the plan behind that was always to kind of create a scenario for a climactic battle that you guys couldn't run away from. And so I built up that tension and that drama throughout the campaign. And uh, whenever you do that, you know, you really want that kind of investment to pay off. And I, I utilize a lot of GMing strategies that I tend to incorporate in, an, in a lot of situations like this at the end of campaigns. For starters, one of the classic things to do as a GM is to try to give everyone something to do in any given scene uh, and in any, any kind of big combat set piece like this, right? And so that's where the breaching pods came in. I obviously used them as a delivery service to make it this more than just Tan versus a bunch of TIE fighters and and the bloodhound all by herself with, you know, Jack Samar shooting stuff and then Elkiri twiddling her thumbs. <laughs> Additionally, like, if you think about it, if I were to have, like, the Inquisitor in his own TIE fighter not board the ship and give you guys a chance to fight him head on, right, just overwhelm you and take you out in a ship-to-ship -ship fight, 
that would have probably been the most strategically sound option, but definitely not the most cinematic and enjoyable, fun option for you guys to play, right? Uh, since the Inquisitor has been introduced, he and Jaxmar have gone head to head and Jaxmar's almost eked it out every time, but gotten knocked down every time. And they weren't fighting in ship to ship fights. They were fighting with lightsabers. So if I wanted to have them have their great and final showdown to kind of pay off that animosity that has built towards the Inquisitor, I had to get him in a lightsaber fight with Jax. Maximar. Uh, and so that like felt really good. Also, it, it just kind of built up the tension because like you had, you had a fight going on multiple fronts, right? You know, Tan was basically on her own with Dudo fighting the squadron by herself and everyone else is trying to take on this, this massive villain of the Inquisitor in the cargo hold. And one way I was able to guarantee that to, you know, let you peek behind the screen a little bit is the fact that I had there be two breaching pods um, because if I had just sent one breaching pod that had the Inquisitor and some stormtroopers and Magana disc all loaded up in there, all it would have taken would be for you guys to shoot that down once to have a very, very unclimactic end to those characters. And so I designed the scenario to have two breaching pods and I just said whichever one gets there first is the one that has the Inquisitor and so my tip there to GMs would be like your villains don't have to be in any specific place until the players see them then they're there <laughs> so make the villains appear when it is narratively relevant it's okay and probably a good idea as a GM to break the rules, especially in very important situations like this, where you really, really want there to be that payoff for your players. It's all about controlling the pacing of the scene so that the tension kind of builds up along all these different fronts, right? You got Tan kind of giving the shade, uh, giving the slip to Miri and the TIE fighters and going straight down the gullet of the Bloodhound, while Oko and Elkiri and Jax are all like working together to try and secure the cargo bay. And you want the tension in both of those kind of separate scenes to rise at the same pace. But one of the important things is kind of sticking the landing there at the end. And listeners might notice that the crit that Jaxamar got on the Inquisitor um, was that he was going to die at the end of the next combat round. And then instead of playing through one more combat round, I went ahead and killed him off at the end of the initial combat round when he got the, when he got the critical injury. Because it felt better for the scene because Tan had just gone all in, lined up a magnificent shot for Dudo and was like, we're blowing up the Bloodhound right now. And it like, it felt like I could feel the momentum of the scene coming to this big peak. And it would have been really anticlimactic for like the Bloodhound to blow up. And then for us to have to go through like four more combat turns before the Inquisitor just kind of toppled over. And the way, you know, Jaxmar was on the ground and Elkir was unconscious and he got that critical injury and then he was like getting ready to do his extra turn at the end of that combat round. And I was just like, and he dies now because I think it pays off the narrative better. And it did. It ultimately like he went down, the Bloodhound blew up, the fight was over. And, you know, I kind of cheated a little bit in the sense of I had the Bloodhound explosion also take out the TIE fighters, but they were kind of there just to harry 
you guys anyways. Tan definitely dodged them the entire time. So I just kind of was like, this is the perfect like peak for the for the combat right now. If I if I do this, the narrative, like all that momentum, all that tension I've been trying to build up through this entire scene all releases at the same time. And if you can conduct it in that way, if you can make little cheats here and there to try and kind of control the pacing and really make everything kind of go together, it pays off big time for your players and they won't even bat an eye at it. They'll just like walk away from the walk away from the scene being like, that was amazing. It was like I was in a movie and this system, obviously we've said time and time again, helps out with, uh, helps out with trying to make it feel like a movie. And it really did feel really cool. Uh, it felt like a neat experience to have had playing a role playing game to feel like you're actually in a movie. But enough about that. Uh, I want to know what your favorite part was. There are a lot of parts that I liked a lot about this episode. Um, and I'm really, really happy with how it turned out. Um, but one thing that was kind of subtle that I really enjoyed was uh, the journey through the deep core. Uh, because I had to make a pretty risky decision as a DM during that sequence because I I wanted it not to take up too much time just because, you know, there's only so many episodes in a series. However, it's supposed to be really hard. It's supposed to be crazy tense. And I wanted to hit those notes, but also not make it be the central focus of this episode. And ultimately, I don't know if it really came across after the episode had been edited, but like everyone at the table was basically holding their breath that whole time as Brie was making roll after roll. And I was even tense too, because uh, I was opening up the chance for a major delay, right? If she had just like rolled some despairs, right? When you guys were trying to sneak by those star destroyers, suddenly there's an alarm that there's an unauthorized ship in the deep core. And you guys are like dodging patrols left and right. And then later come back to your main quest. And I did didn't have the time for that. And so altogether that like that kind of everyone on the edge of their seat watching uh, Tan be a badass navigating the deep core. I loved it. Uh, so that was my favorite moment. What about you? My favorite moment was more of like a concept or a scene. Uh, I really loved everything that precipitated from um, the fact that we couldn't run away from this fight. I loved being in close quarters. We're like in the middle of space. There's not really anywhere to go. Fight this inquisitor and win or everybody dies. Just everything about this like confrontation where where it was like you don't have a choice. And and a lot of times I hate that, but the way that it was presented that we were choosing to move into this scenario and it was either continue with your mission or give up and hope you can run away. And of course we're on the podcast, so we're going to make the brave slash stupid choice to keep going. <laughs> uh, I count on it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I really did love how, how that played out. It felt like the fight with the inquisitor and, and Magana Disc was like claustrophobic and there was like so much going on and it felt very close and very real. And that was really cool. Um, I really enjoyed that experience. Well, that experience isn't quite over yet. You guys have taken out the Inquisitor and hell, you've taken out the Bloodhound. But Magana Disc is still there. We ended without her being taken care of. So there's only one way to find out what happens next. And that's to move on in and listen to Series 8. Episode 19, Unauthorized Personnel. Enjoy! I am Jaxamar Sorrell, Human Jedi Sentinel. My Padawan training was patrolling the slums of Coruscant, 
rooting out the vicious gangs and bringing them to justice. With the guidance of Master LeWitt Rensmer, I learned to rely on my cunning to solve problems, passing my trials, defusing a hostage crisis the day the Clone Wars began. At the height of the war, I was called to the front lines alongside my oldest friend Dudo and his Padawan Elkiri. The idea of the Jedi as generals never sat well with me, and my greater fears were realized when the clones turned on us, and Dudo sacrificed himself so we could survive. His final wish was for me to take up the task of training Elkiri. With the destruction of the Order, it falls to me to ensure the Jedi live on through her. Though my training left me a capable warrior, I've had to quickly adjust in a galaxy where a lightsaber is a beacon for the Empire's most dangerous assassins. Thankfully, we found allies in the former Republic pilot Tan Mobuk and her droid Oko. She saved us after the Empire rose to power, and her ship, the Exipiter, has been home for the last three years. The galaxy may be shrouded in darkness, but I believe the Force will guide us to a better future. The name's Mobok, Lieutenant Tan Mobok of the Galactic Republic Navy. Well, that's who I used to be anyway. Before all this happened, I was a slave, nearly died trying to fight my way out. And when the opportunity to join the Navy presented itself, you bet your ass I jumped like hell. Spent most of the Clone Wars chasing pirates. Found my bird, the Exhibitor, there, in fact. The up-and-ups let me keep her despite her, uh, modifications. And Oko, too. Others might just see a droid, but... I know there's more under their shiny metal shell. Now, now we're just trying to survive. With Sorel and Elkiri on board, the Exhibitor will always have a target on her back. It'd have been a hell of a lot safer for us to run and hide. But safe never really was my MO. We've done some good helping out with the Hydean Underground. One day though, I'm gonna give the Empire a kick straight in the teeth for what they've done. To me, to Sorel, to Elkiri and Oko, and all the others they've crushed under their heel. They've won their war, but I've just started mine. Personal identification number 0K0, at your service. Master Tan refers to me as Oko. You may as well, there isn't much time. Please lean back, this will take your mind off the pain. I am told my past has been eventful for a droid. I was captured by roving pirates shortly after the start of the Clone Wars. They modified and reprogrammed me to accompany them on raids. My surgical laser was greatly enhanced for combat utility, and I was trained in the manufacture of stimulants and toxins. Please drink this. I witnessed many gruesome sights, but also interacted with all manner of organic life, occasionally even in a non-lethal capacity. Your species is particularly fascinating. So much blood. Upon my recovery, Master Tan allowed me to retain my memory. My years with the brigands, while regrettable, had instilled in me an appreciation for freedom and autonomy, ideals shared by Master Tan. My unusual modifications, coupled with her impressive piloting abilities, served us well as a Republic emergency extraction team until the clones turned on us and our three Jedi companions. As runners in the Hydean underground, we do what we can to hide good people from the Empire, but nowhere is safe now. Good news, there is a 38% chance that your injuries are non-fatal. Best of luck. I am Elkiri Kanti, Padawan Learner. The Force has always been with me, even in the most trying of times, and I am continually surprised by the way the Force guides us all. 
that it saw fit to match me with Master Jaxamar Sorrel, Sentinel, and perhaps the last Jedi Knight. Just like my late master, Duto Noem, Jaxamar and I are an unlikely pair. I've always been more inclined to talk than to fight, and he has always been the other way around. After we escaped, we turned to Rushala, an old friend of mine from early in the Clone Wars. She helped us hide from the Empire when we were in need, and now, along with her, we've formed the Hydean Underground to help save those who are under the thumb of, or worse, enslaved by the Empire. There's no war that can be waged against the Empire. The best we can do is to save those we can and avoid any engagement with the Empire's forces. I must admit, I can sense the apprehension grow in me as we approach every new rescue for the Hydean Underground. But with Master Sorel, Tan, and Oko working beside me, and the Force with us, the Empire will never know we're coming. The last time we saw the crew of the Excipitor, they were in a final battle against the Bloodhound of Reaper Squad. Uh, after having traveled deep into the core of the universe, searching out the mysterious planet known as Cinder One. The battle was harrowing, but went in the Excipitor's favor, as not only was the Bloodhound uh, destroyed, but... The Inquisitor that was hunting Jaxamar and Elkiri fell to Jaxamar's blade. There was an escape pod scene uh, heading down to, to the planet's surface from the detonating Bloodhound, uh, as well as Miri Elson's uh, TIE Interceptor heading down that way. However, the threat is not quite over as Magana Disc of Reaper Squad is still aboard the Excipitor. Elkiri is still unconscious. Jaxamar has just stood up from the ground with the Inquisitor dead hat at his feet. Magana turns to you, Jaxamar, knife in hand. Blade at the ready to strike should she make a move. Uh, I say to her, surrender now. You need not die. While Jaxamar is speaking, I will administer medical aid to Elkiri with a stim pack healing seven wounds. All right. Elkiri, you regain consciousness as Magana Disc responds to Jaxamar. Kind of gripping her knife a little tighter, she says, You heard the commander? No surrender. And uh, she presses uh, in on the front of her armor, and a harness built into her her breastplate, like, lights up, uh, and you recognize it as some kind of uh, explosive device. And she rushes forward to stab you, Jaxamar. I will dodge and upgrade the difficulty of her check. Uh, she does miss you. Uh, uh, swinging the Vibro uh, knife at you, you sidestep out of the way. I am going to attempt to harness the force just one more time and uh, move her far away from here. All right, go ahead and roll that. She is at short range. Uh, as I reach out, all I find is the dark side of the force. I will flip the final destiny point take a strain and a conflict uh, and move her into the airlock. Okay. You shove her through the, uh, uh, you shove her up against the ramp that serves as your airlock at the back of the cargo bay. Uh, 
lashing out in fear and frustration. You see uh, her attempting to not only uh, stab Jaxamar, but detonate some kind of uh, uh, some kind of harness to destroy the entire occipiter. And you shove her forward. She slams against the uh, uh, against the back of the airlock. I will dart over to the panel and open the airlock. Rushing after her, Jaxamar uh, skids. Uh, to a halt, slamming his hand into the wall. A force field drops down uh, next to him in the uh, archway connecting this ramp to uh, the rest of the hangar. And the ramp cracks open and slides down, and uh, Magana Disc is pulled out of the airlock. Jaxmar, let's see how quickly you manage to get there. Go ahead and roll either an athletics or a coordination check. Uh, this will be a hard check, and I will flip a dark side point to increase the difficulty. Three successes and two threat. Okay, uh, take two strain as you rush forward and manage to uh, vent the airlock before the harness can count down any further. She flies out a safe distance from the occipiter and detonates in space. Uh, Dudo is high-fiving Tan in the cockpit, having just destroyed uh, the bloodhound. For a brief second, I forget that he tried to murder us all in the the hallway, and I uh, smile and high-five him back. Uh, And then he immediately gets up and is like, the cargo hold. And he grabs his lightsaber and goes rushing uh, uh, to the cargo hold, uh, slides to a stop at the edge of the uh, balcony with the ladder, and looks down at the open airlock and Jaxmar and Oko and Elkiri standing over the fallen uh, Inquisitor. And he does not ignite the blade of his lightsaber. At the explosion of Magana Disc, I will take a look at my screens to see what ship was firing on us. Uh, and I, not seeing anything, I will come over the comms. Everything okay back there? Affirmative. We shut the uh, airlock, and I'm going to limp over to the med bay. Okay. Oko, what's the status on that breach hole? Can you get that sealed before we get down to the planet? Disconnecting now. Yep, you uh, hover up to the breach pod, you press a couple controls, and you slide out of it, and it seals uh, a little ring, uh, patching up that hole, and then detaches the pod from the outside of the ship. All right, unless there are any objections, I'm taking us down. Take us in, Tan. I will head in towards Cinder 1. I will attempt to heal the Jedi. Uh, Yeah, go ahead and roll that. Healing three wounds and five strain. All right, that's for Elkiri. Go ahead and roll for Jaxmar. Healing seven wounds and six strain. Uh, Oko, Dudo slides down the uh, ladder and, and comes up and looks at like your, your damaged back from uh, Magana's uh, blaster fire. And uh, he goes, here, let me, let me see if I can help you out with that. And uh, he touches his cybernetic arms uh, to your back. And like closes his eyes, and so grabbing grabbing tools in one hand and using the force with the other, he actually manages to uh, like put most of the important pieces back in place, and you heal six wounds. Appreciated. While Dudo is repairing my back, I will try to repair my own surgical laser. All right. Two successes and three advantage. All right. It doesn't take you very long as you kind of uh, replace the heat sink uh, with a spare that you have and uh, your surgical laser is back to operating at full capacity. Uh, you guys have a couple minutes as Tan brings the occipiter uh, into Cinder 1's atmosphere. The breaching pod is no longer attached, correct? Correct. I will retrieve the Inquisitor's lightsaber 
and pull him out of the middle of the cargo bay towards the med bay and lay him on a table. I don't remove his mask. Uh, the small planet of Cinder One glows hot with volcanic activity. Its equator shows signs of violent, violent tectonic shifts as, uh, as a result of its position between two large black holes. Uh, built on the northern pole, you, uh, you can see the one thing on your scanners that comes up as not volcanic wasteland. That is an imperial facility protruding from a fortified mountain. With your pseudo-cloaking device activated, you think you have a pretty decent chance of approaching this facility without any of its sensors noticing you, but the way to guarantee it is to uh, jam your signal as well. Before we enter atmosphere, I'm going to turn off the electronic countermeasure suite. That makes sense. Hey, Oko. Uh, locked on the target ahead. Looks like we might need some, uh, some noise as we come in. Understood. Uh, it is an average computer's check, Oko. Five successes and three advantage. Yeah, you uh, pipe a bunch of uh, white noise through all of the sensors of the excipiter, and you guys get closer to this Imperial station without seeming to notice it, like, react to you. No no TIE fighters are scrambling to intercept you. You don't see Miri Elson's interceptor or Rissa Inaro's escape pod. Uh, and you can uh, easily land on one of the docking pads on the upper parts of the mountain. I will do so. Dudo is looking uh, through the front as you do, uh, kind of trying to sense to make sure there's like not another Inquisitor around the corner or anything. And uh, as you like land down, he kind of sits there and nods and goes, all right, what's the plan? I think we kick some ass and take some names. The uh, the docking bay is relatively small, just large enough to house the exhibitor, and there's a small walkway that leads to a large industrial uh, door that is probably the only entrance into this station. We have to disable this facility, which means first we need to find a port for Oko to get a layout of it. I will uh, exit the cockpit and head back into the cargo bay uh, where the rest of the crew is. Hey, Oko, uh, we can set up those proximity alerts again, right? Affirmative. Yep, uh, you've done it once before. You can easily flip on uh, some passive sensors on the exhibitor so that you get an alert if uh, if anyone tries to tamper with it. Anaro and Elson are still out there. I know Magana's gone, but I don't want to take any risks. We head out of the exhibitor and towards the base stealthily. Okay, uh, stepping out onto the docking uh, docking bay, you are hit with the high winds and hot heat of the planet. Um, just these these big gusts of wind uh, pushing you around and like not even cooling you down. It's like the wind itself is hot. You make it to the uh, to the door, uh, which slides open as you approach. Uh, you walk into a hexagonal uh, shaped uh, room. And in the center of it, there is a station uh, with a couple monitors that you can go in uh, and check out. Um, you don't see any other doors in or out of this room. I will pull out my blaster and watch the door that we walked in through. I access the terminal. Okay. What you can tell just by, by looking at it and accessing it is it has several monitoring sensors that keep an eye on the planet and the shield of this facility adjusting where the shield needs to be raised to uh, to combat the ever-shifting volcanic activity around this mountain. I will attempt to terminate that protocol. 
in order to get uh, further access beyond uh, monitoring and shifting things around, uh, you will have to make a hard computers ch- uh, computers check to slice into this uh, and get give yourself authorization. Two successes and one advantage. Okay, you tap into it. You can uh, disable the protocols that uh, adjust the shields. You can even bring the shields all the way down. Uh, the volcanic activity around is not so fierce and ever-flowing that the station's just going to melt away right now. But you do know that, like, at the very least, without this being reinstated, over, uh, over a certain amount of, of prolonged uh, activity of this planet, uh, this station will give in to the natural uh, wear and tear uh, of the uh, environment. Um, so if you are to fail, you at least know that if no one turns this stuff back on, uh, anywhere from the next week to the next month, uh, this station could be completely submerged in lava. Uh, however, also getting access, uh, you receive a reminder letting you know that the facility's defenses are programmed to kill on site beyond this point unless you are accompanied by authorized personnel. It will also uh, give you a relative layout of the facility. What you see is uh, there's uh, another level below you that's much wider. There's basically a long elevator shaft from where you are now to, like, the midsection of this mountain. And there's a large um, uh, network of hallways and rooms there. Uh, And those all sit above a very large spherical-shaped chamber that is labeled Operation Cinder Phase 1 Containment Center. Uh, the only way to get to the containment center is to access that that network of hallways and rooms. Uh, there is one room in there that connects centrally to the containment cha- chamber. Um, and there is a message that is associated with the containment chamber that simply says, containment field compromised. Please contact a superior. The base proper is a level below us with a large containment chamber below that. We are in the elevator. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go then. There is a notice that the containment field has been compromised. I don't know how this will affect organics. We have rebreathers on the ship. We should get them. Yeah, uh, any one of you can can make your way back, grab the rebreathers. Dudo's looking around nervously, and he, uh, as whoever's grabbing the rebreathers is, and who and to the people who are in this elevator shaft with him, he nods and goes, "Whatever it is, whatever Venari was trying to send me to, it's here." We're in the right place. I can feel it. I return with the rebreathers and hand them out to everyone. All right, everyone straps them to their face, and Oko just has to push a button to send the elevator down. Prepare to encounter defenses. And I press the button. Uh, the elevator is slow, and, it's a- and it has a somewhat angular uh, descent as it moves down the shaft and eventually uh, levels out, and one of the walls slides open. Before you is a hallway. Uh, Oko does have a map. Uh, they know the quickest route to the central console, which, as far as you can tell, is a similar room. Maybe with it's a little larger in size and definitely has like more power going to it than this elevator. But you think it operates similarly in that it lowers down into the containment center. This way, we proceed quietly. All right. Uh, I will need a stealth check. Two of you can work as a team, and then everyone else who wants to use their role can add a setback as they follow the lead of the two who are, like, taking point. Uh, I'll take the lead as Oko points out where to go. I will be right behind Tan. So this will be a hard test against three challenge dice, and for anyone who is following your lead, that adds a setback, and anyone else uh, has to 
roll against that hard pool as well. Solo. I'm going to flip a destiny point to upgrade this check. Okay. Uh, Dudo will uh, roll his own stealth check. That's a failure with three advantage. Okay. Uh, You guys make your way a little further and you find uh, yourself entering kind of a small dual purpose room. It is uh, uh, partially a med bay, but primarily looks like a droid repair bay. And uh, it has materials in here that can be used to further heal you guys, uh, uh, what with uh, state-of-the-art imperial medical tools. And as you're in there, the door on the opposite side of this room opens up. And before you is a tall humanoid figure in red leather robes and a featureless black helmet that covers the top of the head all the way down to the chin. And when it enters, it doesn't walk. It floats. Uh, The tails of its uh, red robes kind of trailing an inch above the ground. And it sees you and kind of stops for a moment. And uh, it goes, you are not authorized, and zooms forward uh, to attack you. And I need everyone to roll initiative. Uh, Anyone get better than a three? I got four. All right, so it'll be you guys, and then it will be the opposition, and then it will be four more turns for you guys. Is this, how far away is this droid? Uh, It is at short range right now. I will spend a maneuver to get close to it and take two strain to spend another maneuver aiming, and I will strike at it with my lightsaber and ebb. Okay. Uh, It has one defense and adversary one. Uh, I don't hit it, but I generate two advantages, which I will pass forward as boosts to the next allied check, and it adds two automatic failures to any check it makes before the end of my next turn. Okay. Uh, You ignite your lightsaber. Uh, As you run forward, it goes, Jedi! And you swing the lightsaber down, and it, with terrifying speed, raises its right hand up, which crackles with electric energy, and your lightsaber hits the palm and doesn't go through. Uh, It will then raise its left palm up, uh, which will glow with a white energy, and shoot out a wave of kinetic energy at you. I will dodge and upgrade the difficulty of its check by one. And I will flip a destiny point to upgrade its chances. He hits you with one net hit. You take six damage. Uh, It is stun damage, so it goes to strain instead of wounds. And he has an advantage and a triumph, which he will use to activate both knockdown and concussive. So you are thrown back, knocked prone, and you slam your head uh, on the ground as you do. And you are staggered until the end of the next round. Uh, So you cannot take actions. And then it hovers forward closer towards the rest of the group, both palms raised, one crackling with blue electric energy and one glowing that white concussive energy. And it repeats, you are not authorized. My blaster's already out. I'm going to take a shot. Okay, yeah, it's all your guys' turn from here on out. And I'm going to aim twice. So I got four successes, including a triumph and five advantages. And I'd like to use the triumph and three of the advantages to crit twice and then send the last two advantages forward as boost. Okay. That's 12 damage, piercing two. And go ahead and roll your crit effect. 
That's 101 for the crit. Uh, so you rolled maimed, which is one limb is permanently lost. Were you aiming for the electro hand or the concussive hand? The electro hand. Okay. It moves forward uh, kind of at a scary speed. Its upper body uh, zooming forward with the, uh, the lower half of its body kind of trailing behind like an empty robe. And it gets, uh, it gets close and uh, Tan lets off a volley of shots. A couple hit it in the chest and one shoots off its right arm. Uh, though it doesn't seem to slow its pursuit. Who's next? I will use my maneuver to retreat to short range and fire. Okay. Four successes, four advantage, and a triumph. Nine damage, two piercing. I will apply two critical injuries. All right, and go ahead and roll your crit effect. 82. So that is winded. Uh, This uh, adversary cannot voluntarily take strain for the rest of the encounter. Uh, You fire off a prolonged shot carving up along the chest and out the shoulder uh, with your surgical laser and sparks start flying out of, uh, of this thing. And you actually see like that black featureless uh, panel that is at the top of its head and its face begins to like flicker and almost briefly show the image of a face and then static out and flicker a few more times. Uh, Elkiri? As it flies towards us, I will duck under it and uh, past it, and then draw it closer to me and swing with my lightsaber. Okay, go ahead and roll that up. You duck down, darting forward, your arm kind of trailing under these robes. You do feel this thing definitely doesn't have any legs and is floating on some sort of repulsor system similar to Oko. The leathers uh, hit you on the shoulder as you move past, and you reach out with the force to pull it to you. Uh, I failed with one advantage and one light side point, so I succeed in moving him to me, but I uh, fail to actually hit him with my lightsaber. Okay. I'm going to use that uh, advantage to recover some strain. All right. So you reach out with the force, you pull it to you. Uh, it kind of spins weirdly, uh, turning to face you as as you do. Uh, and when you slash up, uh, you just get a healthy uh, cut off of the robes uh, that dangle below this uh, this droid. And following presumably instinctively uh, in line with his training with you, Elkiri, uh, you run past, you force pull this thing to you, and then Dudo uh, follows its mo- movement uh, using his hawk bat swoop maneuver, leaping up into the air, charged by the force, swooping downwards as you attack low, he attacks high. Uh, and I will flip a dark side point to increase the difficulty of Dudo's check. Uh, so he succeeds with four net successes, two advantages, and a triumph. And he deals enough damage to actually carve straight through this thing, uh, uh, slight, uh, bisecting it diagonally from shoulder to waist. And it bursts into flames and sparks and falls down. And the, uh, and the front screen stops flickering. I will pick myself up off the floor by the back wall where I got slammed into and just try and shake off this disorienting effect my ears still ringing could i access the droid's memory ranks to retrieve a more detailed schematic of the defenses of this installation uh you can attempt to it's kind of fried uh but you can put your slicing gear in there and see if perhaps there's something uh that remains in its memory banks uh go ahead and roll a daunting computers check a wash with two advantage 
Uh, so you're not really able to get much of a technical readout of anything. It doesn't have like the positions of the other sentinels or anything like that. What you are able to glean is one of the doors attached to a hallway that you're that you would be going down anyways leads to something called an armory. You wouldn't have necessarily had to go through that armory otherwise, but it's highlighted on your screen as well as the room you're in right now, which is called, you know, repair center. I will go over to Sorel where he's picking himself up. You okay? I will be fine. It is far from the worst blow I've taken in the last month. <laughs> I'll smile at that. Uh, Dito smiles at you, Elkiri. Uh, for a second, you don't really see the cybernetic uh, back half of his skull or his cybernetic arms. You just see the face of, of your master grinning at you a- after a, a good fight. I smile back, just like training. Training? He raises an eyebrow. <laughs> it's in there somewhere, I think. He shrugs at that uh, and then looks around. We should take some stim packs out of this place. Using the facilities, I also heal each of my companions in turn. All right. Jax heals seven wounds, a strain, and a critical injury from a triumph. Okay. Elkiri is healed as well. I will grab a droid repair patch and patch the hole in his shoulder. <laughs> you, you grab the, the repair patch because you recognize it. You know what it is. You grab it and you turn back towards uh, Oko as he's working on Jaxamar and you don't really know what to do and Dudo comes up and like, without like taking it from you or anything, he just kind of like points to like where you should apply it and how to no, you gotta, you gotta peel this off and then apply. <laughs> that is my exhaust port. <laughs> oh no. And then I grab like four more. Okay. So you heal three uh, wounds, Oko. How many stim packs can I find? Uh, you find five. After we've gathered supplies from this room, we head off. And the armory is along the way we were going anyways? Yes. We head in that direction. So you guys move down a hallway. There is a, a relatively uh, large room that you have to pass through before you get into the, uh, into the next hallway. And that room seems to have... Uh, large countertops with monitors and some samples on them. Uh, This is like a large science facility. And uh, floating around in this room, you see three of those sentinel droids kind of patrolling. I have an idea. And I'm going to step to the front of the group and force move all three of them to the back of the wall, hopefully impacting them as they go. Okay. This will be an opposed hard check uh, using your discipline, combining the force dice for the move power to hurl these things against the back wall. I failed with two light side pips, so I do manage to move them, just not into anything. And uh, I will use the one advantage I rolled to heal a strain. And I'll take a second maneuver to run away. Uh, run back down the ha- hallway where your companions are? Or... No, the other direction. Okay, cool. You uh, force push them, getting their attention, definitely. Uh, they all kind of move, like a couple of them bump into, uh, bump into like, you know, microscopes and, and things on their way. And they kind of spin around and like lock um, their attention onto you as you run to the left, kind of skirting around the outskirts of the room. And they all in unison go, you are not authorized. And they begin sliding uh, forward towards you. Uh, the rest of you guys, uh, she's made a complete and total distraction. Uh, uh, before we roll initiative, all of you can make an attack. Uh, I will strike at them with my lightsaber, and I will flow 
riding the wave of the force. Okay. Uh, leaping to action, Jaxmar runs forward, jumping over one of the uh, one of the countertops and swinging his lightsaber at the nearest Sentinel droid. I miss and generate ten advantages, <laughs> <laughs> and I will use the two light side pips I generated to recover two strain, and then three of my ten advantages to recover my last three strain. And then pass seven advantages forward as boosts. <laughs> so uh, Jaxamar and Elkiri, uh, uh, Elkiri force pushes and runs to the left. Jaxamar runs to the right, jumps over a counter, swings the lightsaber at one of the sentinel droids, uh, uh, cutting some of its robes away. It turns, raising both of its hands up at Jaxamar. And now the sentinel droids are kind of torn between uh, should they go left or right to fight either one of these two Jedi, uh, leaving them very open for whoever attacks next. I'm going to use that distraction to shoot at the one closest to Elkiri. All right, go ahead. You have seven boosts. And I will aim as I uh, shoot at this one. Yeah. Okay, so that is five successes, eight advantages, and a triumph. How much damage is that? 13 damage to pierce two. And I am going to use the triumph and... Six of those advantages to crit three times, and I will pass the other two advantages forward as boost. All right, you roll a crit at a plus 20. I rolled an 81, which is winded. Okay, uh, you pop off a bunch of shots, uh, hitting this thing multiple times in its side, and again, those sparks kind of shoot out of its side, and its uh, front screen begins flickering, and again, you almost feel like you see the glimpse of a face within the static, but it, it, it doesn't stay on the screen long enough for you to really uh, take in what it is. Oko will fire at the same droid. Go for it. Seven hits, one advantage, and a triumph. Twelve damage, uh, you can use the triumph for something else because you do enough damage to destroy the droid. Ah. Sparks shooting out of its side, its face malfunctioning. It turns, uh, deciding what seems like to charge Tan's position, and you just shoot a beam straight through its dome, and, this, and the screen shatters and burns, and it falls down to the ground. Having revealed a structural weakness, I will upgrade an ally's next check against one of these droids with the triumph. Sure. Your shot also skims the shoulder of another one, kind of burning at its, uh, at its leather robes, uh, making it turn and look towards you as almost running along the wall and leaping uh, from a different angle, uh, Dudo Hawkbat swoops at one of the two remaining droids. Dudo uh, lands on top of this one uh, that is distracted by Oko's shot, uh, driving it into the ground, lightsaber uh, directly in the, uh, uh, in the same spot where Oko had shot the other one. And it uh, fizzles out, and uh, Dudo stands up, uh, pulling his lightsaber out. It is uh, destroyed. There's only one remaining now. Uh, and we'll really quick roll initiative. Anyone get better than a three? Uh, I got a 3.2. I got a 3.1. Uh, that's two slots for you guys before the droid gets to go, if it's still standing. And then after that, the rest of you get to go. Uh, so who wants to go? I will dart towards it and try to strike it down with my lightsaber. Okay. Uh, running into the middle of the room, you slide over another counter, knocking back empty vials that shatter on the ground, and uh, you swing again. I will take two strain to do a second maneuver and aim, and I will use ebb. Okay. And then you ebb the force around you and this droid. I don't hit, 
but it will add one automatic failure to any check it makes until the end of my next turn. And I will kick my three advantages forward as a boost to the next person. As you kick the droid in the chest, sliding uh, sliding over uh, this this counter, you realize you're not going to get a chance to really swing at this thing with your lightsaber, so you just uh, sliding kick it straight in the chest and send it bouncing up against the opposite counter, uh, opening, itself, uh, opening it up for whoever goes next. I will uh, pull it towards me and then um, with the force and then swing at it. Okay. So I'm able to uh, pull it toward me and I hit it with five hits and one advantage. So that's 12 damage and I am going to crit. Okay. Uh, I rolled a one (laughs) on a D100 uh, and um, it is a minor nick. One strain. Okay, uh, so you pull it towards you, you slash across its chest, sparks shoot out, and then as it uh, as it raises its hand to strike back at you, you kind of raise your lightsaber to try to parry. You kind of miss with the parry a little bit, but you do cut off a finger. <laughs> <laughs> and I will, as an incidental, activate my center of being and uh, take a guarded stance. Okay, uh, well that is helpful as it moves in to attack you with its electro hand. Uh, and I will flip a dark side point to upgrade this test. So it grabs onto you with its uh, four-fingered electro hand, grabbing onto your arm and shocking you, using its two advantage to activate the disorient quality. Uh, for your next two turns, you will have a setback as uh, the numbness from this electricity flowing through your body will hinder you. Uh, and you take eight damage. I will parry that. Okay. So uh, par- in part with that minor nick where you cut off its finger, you put its, uh, its hand off course. So instead of it really being able to grab you uh, on the shoulder, it more like grazes your shoulder, uh, still jolting you with that electricity, but not the full charge as you reduce some of the damage. Uh, and now it's the rest of the team's turn. I will fire. Heating up their surgical laser again, Oko will line up a shot and ta- and try to finish off this final droid. Four hits and four advantage for nine damage, piercing two, and a crit. Yeah, uh, that is enough damage to finish it off. Elkiri, this thing electrocutes you and then raises its concussive hand. And before you have a chance to react, that hand and the head of this thing get carved off by Oko's surgical laser. And the room is now clear. I will examine the samples. Uh, so the samples here are pretty minuscule. More, uh, they're they're mostly um, like microscopic samples that you have to put under these uh, scopes, or in your case, zoom in on. They give you a little bit, uh, but it's hard to really uh, put it into context without um, tapping into one of these terminals here. I tap into one of these terminals here. Uh, go ahead and roll a hard computer check to slice in and give yourself authorization to these files. Three successes and an advantage. Okay, so scanning through the files that they have available here, um, analyze, uh, which is a lot of the logs, it seems like these sentinel droids, uh, part of their operations beyond just protecting the area is to like occasionally collect samples from the facility and reanalyze them and see if there's anything, any new findings. Uh, what you know is that this station in general is currently malfunctioning. Uh, as you already know, the containment field 
uh, below in that chamber is malfunctioning somehow. And as far as these logs show, these Sentinel droids have not found a way to change this. Due to some kind of ion-based power surge that is continuously occurring within that chamber below, the communications array and emergency protocol of this station are offline. Scanning a little bit lets you know that the emergency protocol floods this entire station with toxic gas. Uh, You also know that the central shaft above this containment zone goes all the way to the top of the mountain, acting as a launching station. And currently that projectile is programmed to navigate its way to Coruscant. At the moment, the station is uh, having too many power fluctuations for you to uh, affect any significant changes to these protocols due to the uh, what appears to be two ion generators in the containment area below that are damaged and malfunctioning, periodically spewing large amounts of ion energy throughout the entire station, causing all sorts of problems. It's also part of the reason why the Sentinel droids have lost the ability to communicate with each other. They're all individually going about their own business. Uh, You also can tell that all um, logs that are found in this lab are wiped as soon as they are uncovered and transferred on a hard data pad into that central control center above the containment chamber further down uh, the next hallway. Uh, so any of the findings that they had uh, uh, studying these samples, any, uh, any context that you can find on these samples uh, is going to be on that terminal. We continue on towards the control center. We stop by the armory when we pass by it to see what's there. Yeah, uh, the armory is uh, on a side or in a side room uh, off of this next hallway you're walking down. At the end of this hallway, there's another uh, large rectangular room, and on the other end of that large rectangular room is the control center you are trying to reach, uh, which, as far as you know, is the only way to access the containment chamber below. Uh, you. Turn the corner, walk down, uh, slide open the door uh, to the armory. In here, a quick glance, uh, it is tight and uh, decently stocked. Uh, In here you find five thermal detonators, five poison gas grenades, uh, some standard issue Imperial blaster rifles and blaster pistols, as well as two rocket launchers with a supply of four concussive missiles and four gas missiles. Uh, there's also some stormtrooper commando armor uh, on uh, on the right wall, uh, and a large rack of rebreathers. We take all the thermal detonators. Certainly, I'll uh, I'll look at the stormtrooper armor in disdain and go when in Rome, and I will put a suit on. If you want, before you put it on, I can score off the imperial insignia with a lightsaber. Oh, yes, please. (laughs) I do that. (laughs) So the Imperial Stormtrooper Commando Armor will give you two soak and one defense. Um, I will put some on as well. Okay. Strapping breastplates and uh, gauntlets and shoulder pads uh, to themselves uh, with the Imperial Insignia scored off of them, Tan and Elkiri don uh, some commando trooper armor as you to do this duto grabs the uh grabs the final piece of commando trooper armor and dons it as well tan looks around and she goes well this is embarrassing we're all wearing the same outfit (laughs) (laughs) yeah duto laughs at that one (laughs) i will pick up one of the rocket launchers uh it's a little heavy just a little too heavy for you to use it without penalty so you'll have a setback uh every time you use it um but you can load three of the missiles into it 
Dudo uh, will heft the other one up if no one else does. He's probably the most well-equipped to use it. Okay. I can't take a launcher, but I will collect extra missiles to supply to Masters Tan and Duel. Okay. I will load mine with the concussive missiles. Dudo will load his with three gas missiles. And that means, uh, Oko, you have one extra concussive and one extra gas strapped onto your back. I've always wanted to fire one of these babies. He kind of shoulders the, uh, the missile tube on his back and uh, says, It could be fun. I don't think I ever have before, but what do I know? Uh, I'm pretty sure you just point and shoot. That's what I'm hoping. And we continue on to the control center. All right. Uh, so you get uh, to the next rectangular room before the control center. The door to the control center is uh, at the long end across from you. Uh, as you open the door, there is one sentinel droid in there. You see it operating uh, a station as it freezes some samples in carbonite and then pulls the, uh, the little slab out of the, uh, out of the chamber and moves to store it in the wall. Once it puts it in the wall, uh, I'll step through the door proper. Okay. Uh, it moves towards another one of the uh, carbonite freezing centers and then turns and sees you in your stormtrooper armor, and it goes, identify, and starts hovering towards you, not aggressively, just hovering towards you. I will walk up and reach out and turn on my lightsaber underneath its screen. <laughs> yeah, it, it comes forward, uh, uh, arms down at its side, uh, asking you to identify, and it says, final warning, identify, and then you just raise up uh, your lightsaber under its chin, ignite it, and the uh, your amber blade sticks out the top of its head, and it sparks a little bit, and then slides off your blade onto the ground. Jedi. yeah and that was the only sentinel droid in this room i'm gonna see if i can sense anything on the other side of this door while oko tries to open it uh you reach out with the force and you do not sense any other living creatures uh in the control center we continue into the control center uh the door slides open it is a uh Hexagonal-shaped room similar to the elevator uh, chamber you entered the station in. And elevated in the, in the center is a circular platform with several uh, control terminals and data banks uh, that you could access for more information as well as control over this shaft. I will access the terminal. It will be one more hard computer's check to do so. But you can have an additional boost to this because uh, you've tapped into the station quite a few times and you kind of have a, a feel for its lingo. Two successes and one advantage. All right, you access these terminals the same as before. Uh, all the information you were looking for is consolidated into this area. Uh, the information you had before, uh, you get again. Uh, the fact that there's a malfunction in the containment chamber below. Uh, two of the ion generators are uh, emitting high amounts of energy into the station and causing power fluctuations that have rendered most of its protocols uh, inoperable. Um, but you get the cache of data collected from that laboratory and, and the uh, experiments of the Sentinel droids. Uh, the weapon that the Imperials are uh, developing here is indeed biological in nature. It's a living creature. It is, in fact, an augmented clone of a creature known as the Zillow Beast. Oko, um, you can make an average xenology, lore, education, or warfare check. Uh, to know the history of the Zillow Beast. 
all of them would be applicable for you, given your background. I will attempt a xenology check. Seven successes and one threat. You dig back into your memory core and kind of overheat it, trying to collect all of the data that you have in a, in a quick amount of time. So you take one strain. Uh, but you do have extensive uh, logs about the Zillow Beast. Um, this is a clone of a beast that attacked Coruscant during the Clone Wars. The Zillow Beast originates from Malastare, the homeworld of the Dug. Uh, during the Clone Wars... The Zillow Beast, a gargantuan monster thought to be extinct for a millennia, uh, awoke and was barely subdued by the clone troopers stationed there. It was then brought to Coruscant to be to have its biology analyzed. Um, it showed profound resilience to modern contemporary weapons, and the the Republic military thought if this natural resistance could be replicated, it could change the tide of the war. However, the Zillow Beast escaped from captivity on Coruscant and in less than 24 hours had carved a path of destruction through the main areas. Nothing seemed capable of destroying it. Uh, blasters, tanks, even lightsabers seemed to have little to no effect on it. Uh, one way that the clone troopers were able to subdue it, uh, at least originally on Malastare, was through sustained fire from Falchion-class assault tanks, which is a stun cannon tank using supercharged ion beams. Uh, they would aim these beams at the somewhat weaker points in the armor, uh, where potentially some damage could make, make it through. Uh, and by doing so, uh, they managed to stun the beast enough to uh, put it into a slumber. Um, this was not a feasible option uh, on Coruscant, though, uh, due to the terrain. Uh, they did not have the long line of fire needed to, to prolong sustained attacks. So, uh, toxin was developed specifically tailored to uh, kill the Zillow Beast and uh, uh, using some of the natural gases from Malastare. The clone troopers managed to uh, take down the Zillow Beast right before it could uh, kill several Jedi Knights and uh, Chancellor Palpatine himself. Uh, from there, presumably the Zillow Beast's uh, remains were destroyed or buried. Uh, uh, your memory goes a little foggy there, but... Uh, from what you can tell due to these logs, apparently Emperor Palpatine ordered uh, that the remains be held, uh, held in a secret location and cloned. You presume this secret location was po uh, probably the facility that Lesher Diggs was working at originally. As far as you can tell, the containment chamber below that is currently malfunctioning was using sustained ion beams to keep this augmented clone of the Zillow Beast subdued uh, so that samples could continue to be uh, extracted and improvements could be made on its biological structure. Obviously, that has changed since then, and you do not know the current state of the, of the beast below, whether it is alive, dead, or not. The logs do not indicate. While Oko is scanning this console, I would like to use Seek on Rissa and Naro. Uh, I roll no light side pips, uh, and I won't flip a destiny point to use these dark side pips. So okay. I do not find her. Okay. You reach out in the force trying to, uh, trying to find her, and upon doing so, standing in this chamber, you feel this kind of malevolent sentience around you. And you swear you hear a heartbeat below you. I convey all I've recovered about the Zillow Beast and this operation. Well, the rocket launchers make more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> As do the ion generators 
and toxic gas emergency protocol. Is it possible to permanently disable this facility's launch capabilities from here? Uh, should you regain full administrative access to this station by uh, solving the power fluctuations from those generators, there's very small limit to what you could achieve here. But we can't fix the generators from up here. Correct. Something must have dealt some sort of trauma to the generators below. You assume potentially the Zillow Beast uh, found a weakness and managed to stop the ion flow. Whether its intention was to cause this prolonged power fluctuation, entirely speculation on that. There's no records confirming or denying sentience on the part of the Zillow Beast. If the only way to disable this threat is to repair those generators, we have to go down. As you say that, Dudo ignites his lightsaber and turns uh, to the door you came from as it slides open. And you see Rissa Inaro and Miri Elson uh, armed blasters pointing at you saying, this ends now. And that's where we'll end our session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or specifically approved by the Walt Disney Company, Lucasfilm Limited, their subsidiaries, or sister companies, or any Star Wars license holder, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, and all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. Go to the official Star Wars website, www.starwars.com, for more information. The Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, and Forced in Destiny role-playing games are trademarked properties of Fantasy Flight Games, Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more information, go to www.fantasyflightgames.com slash en slash Star Wars RPG.